Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Today's episode is going to feature a therapist here in my community. He's a good friend of mine. His name is Rick Thompson. And we are going to talk today about the impact of pornography on people preparing for missions and also on full-time missionary service. A lot of young men and young women struggle with pornography before their missions, and those challenges don't just automatically disappear when they begin full-time service as their missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 18 months or two years is a long time, and people don't automatically just snap out of old patterns and beliefs and behaviors. And so there are challenges before, during, and after missionary service, which can bring a lot of shame and a lot of challenges for young people who truly, in their hearts, want to be clean, pure representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ and represent his church and his message. And so there can be a lot of these feelings of like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't have these temptations. I wear the badge. And so Rick and I are going to talk about how to help support these young people, how to prepare them, how to help them navigate this and address this and getting help afterwards as well. Now we recognize that when we originally recorded this podcast, It was about six weeks ago. This was before all of the limitations with COVID-19 and the quarantine and all the changes that the church made with bringing so many missionaries home. And even though there are still full-time missionaries out, we recognize that for a lot of people, their missionary service was unexpectedly interrupted. And there have been a lot of significant changes in terms of, you know, training and full-time assignments and such. But at the heart, missionary service is still continuing, people are still preparing, and pornography and all the challenges that go with that have not just automatically disappeared in the quarantine. In fact, it can actually make it worse. Isolation, boredom, uncertainty, and all those other emotional things that come up for us when we're dealing with something this monumental can trigger the temptation to want to numb out or to fall back into old addictive patterns. So I do believe that this topic and what we're talking about is more relevant than ever. So let me jump in with my interview with Rick Thompson. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, Rick. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You know, as a parent, I think about launching my kids into the world and wanting them to succeed. And I know in the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have this ritual uh, that a lot of parents experience, which is to send their kid off on a two-year or 18-month mission away from home. And there's so much preparation that goes into it. And I know one of the challenges that comes up a lot for parents that I talk to is, is this fear that, that any struggles they might have with pornography or you know, sexual issues before their mission are going to follow them into that mission field where they're supposed to be dedicating their time to serving others, teaching about Jesus Christ, and having these really intense spiritual experiences and growing. But they can be held back by these things you know, these challenges with addiction and emotional regulation and things like that. So today we're going to talk about that, about how to really prepare kids to go out into on their own, obviously, but also to go out and handle these really tough emotional experiences of being away from home, of having challenges of working with different companions, different people, strangers getting rejected, all these things that can be pretty overwhelming. And really how, 
you know, addiction or pornography issues kind of fit into that, right? So, so let's just, let's just jump in. And I guess one of the first questions I would have for you is, you know, just sort of a 30,000 foot question of overall, what have you seen in your work with, uh, with these young people really makes, makes or breaks them in terms of being able to, to deal with the stressors and pressures of a mission? Yeah, that's a great question. The things that I've seen, I've had the opportunity of working with those preparing for missions. Um, I've had to work with those who are serving missions currently and those that sometimes will return home early for mental health reasons. And the thing that I'm seeing a lot is just kind of that self-resilience and this very first exposure of being out of the home and, and being really nervous. And so we're seeing that as we prepare them emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, that the more prepared they are, the better off they do. And with pornography, what we're seeing is I often see a lot of um, young people who will think, well, when this happens, then it'll go away. Well, when I go, when I get my mission call, then it'll go away. When I go to the MTC, it'll go away. When I go to the temple, it'll go away. When I go on my mission, you know, all these will go away. And they tend not to address it, as we know, for, you know, shame, guilt, embarrassment. And then when those things do pop up, then they're even more guilty because they're like, oh, I'm letting, you know, the church down or I'm letting myself down. And it's really hard on them. And then they, you know, increase their anxiety, their depression that they may have had, or this will will definitely trigger some emotions. And then they'll see some struggles in the field. They'll start comparing themselves to other missionaries, or they'll say, well, this happened because of my pornography addiction in the past or currently. And so we really try to work with people to look at the good that they're doing rather than focusing on things from the past. And, you know, once they've repented or they moved on, we have to, you know, really let that go. But for some, they just don't want to talk about it quite yet. They're worried about how it'll be perceived by others. And so they won't. And then they get into the field or in college or at uh, the universities, wherever they may, they may go or in the military or whatever. And then these strong emotions come back and, and sometimes they'll trigger their increase with pornography or strong emotions. And then they just struggle. And then uh, harder it gets, you know, some people tend to pull away. So we've seen an increase in dropout rates in the military, dropout rates at universities more than ever, because it just gets so hard. And I think that emotional resilience is just a big thing that we're really focusing on. And we know if we don't manage it in a good way, we turn to things that will make us feel good, like pornography or food or drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be. So those are the things that we've been kind of seeing more and more. Yeah, you've said you said a lot of important things there. I you know I think about you know getting a mission call for example, or I mean even in, even in our church we you know we receive callings you know and sometimes these callings come with a lot of responsibility you know and there can be this pressure that I'm supposed to somehow be this different person. But the truth is is that we carry our same nervous system, we carry mm-hmm. our same emotional regulation skills, we carry basically us into this new assignment. And it's no different for missionaries. I think sometimes I know one one thing that a lot of members of our church often do is they sort of deify these missionaries, like they're supposed to be above reproach and perfect. And yes, we do have a standard of behavior and we do expect people to be, you know, a certain level of worthiness and whatever, just to, to have these assignments, these calls. But perfection is so far out of the question. This is not about that. And and I, I think that sometimes that shame of feeling like I've I failed or I've I've totally let down the church or I've let down God or I've let down everybody that expects me to be this perfect person really prevents people from just getting the help even early on before mm-hmm. their mission during their mission is that what you've seen Yeah they they feel like it's that failure of like I've I've let down my family the church and everyone and they do put themselves on this pedestal and 
And yeah. oftentimes we'll hear things saying like, well, I'm a disobedient missionary. And I was like, well, what did you do? And they'll say something very minor, but in yeah. their mind, I'm not perfect. And so we see that perfectionism is such a huge thing for them where they, if they're not perfect, if they're not a 10, if they're a 9.9, some of that black and white thinking, either I'm all good or I'm all bad. So for a pre-missionary, how do you help like a teenager who might be dealing with a lot of, a lot of pressure to perform or, you know, may even have, be using, like you said, pornography or masturbation or other kinds of things to mood alter and numb out and deal with their stress and anxiety. How do you help them deal with that all or nothing thinking? Very first thing is we talk about it, we kind of normalize it to say, hey, we're all going to have those thoughts. We're all going to, you know, struggle with these thinking. And so the biggest thing we want to recognize, and I've seen a lot of power with people just saying that and just saying, how does it feel to say that? And they're like, and then sometimes I'll say, well, look, the whole world didn't stop because you said that. And <laughs> <laughs> like permission. Yeah, yeah. Give himself permission to do that. And so we talk <laughs> about that and then we address that. And sometimes I'll ask them certain things like, is that a fact or is that a feeling? And a lot of times they're like, well, I just feel that I have to be that perfect. I feel like I have to be the perfect student, the perfect athlete, the perfect son, the perfect member of the church, the perfect whatever it may be. And so I say there's a lot of power in that in feeling that way. But I said, is it a fact? And so sometimes once they see, it's just like, oh, that's just my own thought. And a big question that I'll say is, where's that coming from? Yeah. Are you getting that from your parents or perceived from, you know, someone, you know, a friend or peer or a church? And a lot of times like, well, I just feel like I have to be that way. So we allow them to be okay with themselves and embracing and focusing on the accomplishment of what have you done? And a lot of times it's like, look how much you have done, but yet you're focusing on this one emotion, this one thought that is causing you negative. And it's interesting to see when a person says, you know, look at the good stuff you're feeling. How do you feel? And they're like, I feel good. I say, well, just stay there for a minute. Who else wants you to feel good? Well, our Father in heaven, Jesus Christ. And I says, when you think negatively, how do you feel? You know, I feel horrible. I feel not good enough. I feel bad. And I'll ask him, who wants you to think that way? And I'll say, yeah, it's Satan. It's the adversary because he wants everyone to be miserable like unto himself. And so sometimes just, you know, doing some mindfulness, let's just stop and just stay there for a minute. Just let's think, let's enjoy that moment. You can see that empowerment in that person to say, I have power over this rather than saying my addiction, my problem, my thinking is going to control my life. And I'll ask them, I says, do you want your thoughts and feelings to control you or do you want to control your thoughts and feelings? And most people feel empowered to say, well, I want to do that. And then that's where, you know, we continue with counseling or find that good support within their their families, their friends, a church group, you know, sports activities, anything that we can get them to get that support. I love that. I mean, we we do. We believe our thoughts they and our feelings. They feel so real. They mm-hmm. feel so authentic to us. It's like, well, my heart's racing and I feel like I want to hide. So I must be a loser, mm-hmm. right? Or, yeah. or there's no way I could bring this up. I mean, I, so it must mean that. And so I love that that permission of of being able to, to challenge that and, and say, you know, you have an option. Mm-hmm. You don't have to believe everything you feel. And let's slow it down. I love that. And I think that, you know, you'll have some, I know in my experience, you'll have some kids that kind of have more of a bent toward perfectionism. And then you'll have some that, you know, maybe are just struggling to achieve or they they don't really care or they just seem more passive like that. Do you see a similar dynamic with that in terms of helping them Mm -hmm. manage their emotions and things like that if they tend to be on the less anxious side? Yeah. I think the big thing is, like you said, with that perfectionism, they're wanting to be good and they're wanting to be good right now. And Mm -hmm. if they're not, then that's where it gets really, really hard on them. And then that anxiety just really increases. And, you know, we're getting, we're seeing a lot of people, young people who are, you know, graduating and moving on to mission or college or the workforce, whatever it is. And they're just not as good as they were in high school. You know, in high school, they, I was a 4.0 student and I made all the, 
sports teams, I was varsity. I was just, you know, great and fantastic. And now I'm in a university with thousands of people and I'm sitting in a class and I got my first B. And for some, it's really, really hard because that mm. perfection is I'm so used to being A. I'm so used to being A. And now I'm not that good. And we'll see missionaries who will do that, who who will, who will come to the field and they'll, you know, I'm not learning this language, you know, and it's like, I want to sound like that person. And I'll say, that person's, you know, spoke that language for 18 months or is a native speaker. And <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes yeah. I'll say, you know, sometimes we have to say, I'm just not good right now, but I will be. And I'll say, how much of the language, you know, now compared to when you first came? And they're like, oh, well, yeah, before I didn't even know. And now I can do this. I can do that. So I think putting realistic expectations. So much reframing that has to happen, mm -hmm. right? So much just helping them recognize, slow down, you get to be human, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, so that's a lot of this. That's what's driving a lot of the anxiety and the perfectionistic thinking mm -hmm. are these expectations that they should be somewhere. Yeah. That's really not realistic at all. Yeah. And we're, you know, in a world of comparing, you know, we yeah. look at Instagram, we so look at true. Facebook and we're seeing everybody, all social media. You know, I should look like that. I should be doing that. I should be spending my money. I should. Everybody's I should. killing it out yeah. there. And I'm just so behind. <laughs> and here I am. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I yeah, and, and and I know that a lot of a lot of young people, both boys and girls, you know, young people struggle with trying to manage their moods. And you know, pornography, as we've talked about, is and masturbation and you know, sexual issues like that. You know, and obviously, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, we you know, we, we teach and try and help them abstain from anything that would be addictive and mm -hmm. mood altering in that way and harmful for all the reasons that pornography is. I'm guessing, you know, I, I, this is something that comes up a lot. A lot of parents and even leaders will come talk to me and they wonder how long is it, you know, how long should they be abstaining from that before they're really able to go take on the pressures of a mission and, mm -hmm. and go take this whole thing on? I mean, I've heard all kinds of numbers, and I don't know if there's an official number that, that the church is looking for, but in your experience with this, how much time should we be giving these kids to really not only have abstinence from these behaviors, but also just to be emotionally healthy enough to go do it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, we're looking at two different things. I think we're looking at emotions, and then we're also looking at, you know, abstinence from cleanliness. You know, we want to be clean. We want to be really clean. And so I think we look at, you know, health-wise, we want to be because it's difficult. Missions are hard. You're going to be in a foreign country. You're going to be a different culture. You're going to be with different people that you've never met before. You may not get along with them. So I think, you know, a really good way is being a good, emotionally stable for a good six months is usually a good way. In six months, you know, if you look, if we look back at our past six months, what stress has we gone through? How have we handled that? Yeah. And that's a pretty good standard, I think, for anyone for a, a good six months. Even, so not weeks. Yeah, not weeks. <laughs> we all know that. It's like, oh, I'm good. You know, I, I come to therapy once and I'm Because there good. can be a lot of pressure. It's like, oh, we're turning 18 or 19 yeah. and like, you know, we need to get this figured out or all my friends are going or mm -hmm. what am I going to do? You know, do I have to get a job and wait? You yeah. know? So I think a lot of people, in my experience, it's tempting to short circuit this or bypass it. Mm-hmm. And figure like, you know, they'll get out there and be a good environment. But the thing is, missions aren't good environments. Mm -hmm. It's hard out there. It is. And that's why these are topics and conversations that we should be having, you know, the beginning of their senior year. What's your thoughts about why well, I want to go on yeah. a mission? Well, what are we doing now to prepare for that? Yeah. There's a lot of great things that we can do to help them emotionally be prepared for a mission. Same thing with that, you know, the theory about, well, when I get my mission, my pornography and masturbation will go away. What are we doing now? And I think it's a good time to, you know, really work again, not just weeks, but months. You know, can we go three months without having those issues? And can we be clean? And can we handle stress in a healthy way 
rather than going to pornography and masturbation all the right. time. And it's not just about white knuckling it. It's not just about us. You know, we use that term, which is mm-hmm. holding on for dear life. It's like, oh yeah, I can, I can hold my breath and, you know, just until I get out there and then I'll just pass the finish line and then I'll be fine. But I mean, you and I have both worked with tons of missionaries yeah. that have come back and struggled with sexual behaviors, including mm-hmm. sex with other people. I mean, just really devastating things on their missions. And so, you know, you can't pretend that they're going to go out there and just be insulated from all that. They are dealing with people, real people in the world. They have access to media content. So if these things are not resolved and really in a place where they can manage it in the real world, the mission's not going to somehow protect them from that. Yeah. And I think they also go through the mindset of the same thing with marriage. Once I get married, my pornography and all these things will go away. And I think that's the thing is, you know, I worked with a psychiatrist years ago. I'm a wise man. And we we started talking about addiction. And and he said that addiction, he said that it really is when it has a negative influence on your life. When it starts to take things away, joy and happiness and connection from others, that's when it is addiction. And I think we see that all the time with people in there where I want to, you know, do this, but yet I'm turning to pornography and masturbation. Mm -hmm. I am you know, I want to have a healthy relationship with my wife and my kids, but I just am going to stay in the car a little bit longer to view just a little bit more. And so that's where I always say that's where it becomes an addiction for, for anything, for gambling, for drinking, for everything we know. We know the standards of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but even my career has been mostly outside of the church working with members, and that's how I'd always define it. And, and people seem to agree with that. They're like, yeah, this is really not making me happy. I'm turning yeah. to it rather than people or to my hobbies or my activities or things that are bringing, bringing me success. Yeah. There's so much of an emphasis sometimes on just stopping the behavior to meet some standard of worthiness that I think the point gets missed that pornography, masturbation, sexual compulsive behaviors, addiction, whatever you want to call it, is driven by emotional issues. Mm-hmm. It's driven by relational issues. It's driven by all this internal stuff under the hood and the manifestation of it is showing up in these ways. And so to extinguish that on the surface is, is a step, a first step. But I really, I really see the, the damage that happens when you just send somebody out prematurely. And so mm-hmm. I think it's worth it to keep them home longer and mm-hmm. get them really strengthened because it is embarrassing culturally mm-hmm. to come home and then have to explain that to people. And that's not the only reason you want to do it, just to save embarrassment. But that's what. Uh, but that is also another reason a lot of people won't be honest and open up about it when they are struggling in the field. So yeah, you really want to like do as much preparation as possible. Yeah, and it is the underlying issues that is it we really want to look at. You know, as a leader, as a parent, as a therapist, we want to get to those underlying issues. What is causing you to turn to pornography? Why is that so appealing rather than dealing with those other issues? And so. Oftentimes, I'll, when I'm working with clients, I, I will teach them the simple thing of blast, and I'll ask them, are you bored, lonely, angry, hurt, stressed, or tired? You know, because when we are those things, we tend to turn to things, you know, and, and that doesn't just go with pornography, masturbation. If you're dealing with someone who's wanting to lose weight, you know, hey, are you eating that? Are you really hungry? Well, I'm just really bored. I'm just, I don't have anything else. So I'm going to turn to these things, turn to chemicals, turn to food, turn to pornography, masturbation to make me feel so good. So then what we're trying to do is like, well, let's turn to something more healthy. Let's turn to connection. Let's, you know, be with people. Let's go exercise. Let's, you know, if you're going to eat, grab some carrots and go for a walk, you know, call someone, do a hobby, play the piano, do your guitar, whatever hobbies that bring you joy, turn to things healthy. Because like you said, when they go out to the field and they don't have the things that they had when they were home, that's where we see they struggle 
I'll say, what were your coping skills when you were at home? Oh, I used to go for a run. I used to go for a walk. I would take a nap. I'd be by myself. And I'd say, can you do that in the mission field? Yeah, you're a Siamese twin now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't have those coping skills. And that's different. why it's good to get them early and talk about those mood regulations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, it's sometimes they'll say it's a cultural thing or a doctrinal thing to get you out. And I often remind people of what was said when they lowered the, the age. They said, this is an option, but it's not a requirement. And it's yes. so good to say, if you need a little bit more time to prepare, you know, feel free to do that. And so I think that's a really important thing to remember. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember on my, my mission in the Dominican Republic, I had uh, companions and associates out there that had started their missions in their early 20s. I had a guy that was 23 years old, mm-hmm. went on his mission, and he just needed more time. Mm-hmm. And he was great. And he was really prepared. And so there's not a magical number. Mm-mm. What matters most is that they can do the most good and also have the best possible outcome, best mm-hmm. experience for themselves. Because there's no glory in going out there just to like somehow meet some fictional idea of yeah. what timeline or whatever. Mm-hmm. And certainly the peer pressure is there, especially in places where there's a higher concentration of members of our church. There can be a lot of you know public shame, feeling like you're behind and and you just have to really quiet that stuff down yeah. and really focus in on the individual. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. It is. It we is have a, to be honest about it. Which is hard. And that's where we have to really look at ourselves. And nobody likes that. No yeah. one likes to look in the mirror and say, here I am. You know, we, we have to embrace that and say, here's part of me. And here's how I can make that stronger. And here's how I have to learn to love that because this is it. This is who I am. And I might need some support. I might need some help. I need to rely on the Lord. I need to rely on, you know, good leaders of the church and friends and family. But I think that's the biggest thing is people's like, one of the lies that Satan tells us is like, you can do this alone. Don't tell anybody, you know, yeah. if people know, then then this. And that hasn't been my experience when I've worked with people. I'll often just say, you are so strong. You are so amazing. This got to be really, really hard. Man, you are amazing. And you can just see that light of Christ start shining through them where they start for one second, they believe that. Like, I think he's right. This has been hard, but I do feel so much better. And as you know, when people come in and address those demons, they feel stronger and they feel better. And I, you can almost see Satan just get angry that they're in there <laughs> trying to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so, to me, it's just so true that if somebody's having that conversation with me, they're already winning, mm-hmm. right? Like they we're, they're in front of it. Like we're now talking about it. It's in the light. And I just want to commend every single person that's ever had this conversation with me. I'm just like, wow, you're doing great. Like this is exactly, because the opposite is that we're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. They're left alone and they're starting to believe a bunch of stuff that's not real. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I think about, I think about parents and again, we were both parents and I, you know, we have these expectations for our kids. We have these timelines in our head. We just, we want them to, to have the best possible experience. And I, I just know that it's been it's been really helpful, even with my own kids or with other people that I've worked with clinically, that when something veers from the plan, right? So let's say that they have some doubts or questions, they're dealing with emotional struggles, they're dealing with, let's say, pornography or masturbation, they're, you know, they're just not quite there to really just cancel the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. Just to sort of quiet that down and say, okay, these are recommendations. There is a time frame kind of but it's like a year's, mm-hmm. right? A year's, like lots of years of options here. Yeah. It's not like there's supposed to be one formula, one way for it to look. And I think that that can get in the way of problem solving and supporting a young person if the parent, out of their own love and anxiety and fear, starts Im- imposing a lot of those things. Has that been your experience? Yeah. And sometimes we like to give recommendations to let them know to say, maybe this you know, young man, young woman, 
needs to work a full-time job, you know, have some stress of dealing with some difficult people, yeah. go to a semester's college, get a roommate, have some turbulence, have some life. turbulence <laughs> and see how they respond. And, yeah. but you know, we, what I've seen is we've seen people say, I felt pressured to go. Yeah. And I think that's sometimes sad. I, I worked with a young man one time and he says, I came home one time from school. He was a senior and he said, all my paperwork was filled out by my mom. And he, yeah. and, and they wanted me to go and, and he went out and he didn't, he, he struggled, had a history of pornography masturbation that he hadn't told anyone about. And he, it just, he couldn't cope. The stress and all, everything was very difficult. And so when he came home, he, he, of course, went back to what made him feel good was pornography masturbation. And then on top of that, the feelings that he had that he says, I'm not good enough, guilt, shame, embarrassment, which uh, again, that's what the adversary wants us to feel because he wants us to feel like he does miserable. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I, I love the, you know just the the fact that we're giving people permission to not necessarily follow a specific trajectory. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know people need options. They need to know that this isn't you know there's not some prescription out there right. that applies to everybody. And I, I I know that you know with the emphasis on home centered church supported mm-hmm. in in the, the larger church, you know this really does allow I, I believe hopefully more permission for parents to take a closer look at their own families especially their own individual children and have those conversations with them about you know how prepared do you feel what do you want to do mm-hmm. and having the courage to really have an open honest conversation about this yeah and taking that pressure off because you know i think a lot of kids don't feel like they have an option they mm-hmm. feel like you know the, the culture has prescribed it for them you know, it's in the scriptures, the prophet said this, and I, I just, I have to go. It doesn't matter what I think or feel, but I think it does matter what they think yeah. and feel. <laughs> and I think it goes back, is that a fact or a feeling? Yeah, You know, exactly. well, I feel that this is the pressure. Well, let's right. talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that pressure. Who's who's putting that pressure on you? And let's talk in, and let's get some support. We don't want you to feel alone yeah. here or out there. So let's pray about it. You know, do right. you feel like that? It's a it's a good time to go now. Do you feel like you, you want to wait? A little bit and get some life experience because we're we're seeing young men, young women go out who will graduate and then two weeks later they're in the MTC or six weeks, eight weeks later they're in Brazil, yeah, and learning a language and learning a culture and you know it's hard and that's so, some serious whiplash. It is, it is. <laughs> and I served my mission in Jamaica and it was it was culture. My eyes were open and I was yeah. like, whoa, you know, being from a small town in Idaho to go to. You know, Jamaica, <laughs> eyes were opened, um, but it was a great experience and it taught me a lot, but I had to rely on my Savior and I'm grateful for the experiences I had growing up of having hard things and having support and knowing how to talk about that stuff, which again, that shame and guilt will push us to say, I don't want to talk about that because people will think I'm weak or I'm a sinner or I'm wrong. And right. sometimes we need to, yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to fast. Yes, we need to go to the church. Yes, we need to go to the temple. But sometimes we also need to talk on top of that too. And so I think the more support we get and we know we can turn to people, we're not going to be alone. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, when you were talking about, you know, where do those messages come from? I, I couldn't help but think of that, uh, you know, the scripture in the in Genesis, uh, you know, and Moses around the Garden of Eden where, you know, Heavenly Father asks Adam, you know, who told thee mm-hmm. that thou was naked? Who told thee? You can apply that to these these young people, right? Who told you? Where'd that come from? Yeah. Because, you know, maybe we told you as your parents, like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I think that's such an important thing to have them examine, you know, where these messages are coming from so that they can use their own voice and decide what's going to really work the best. And in my experience, these young people, they, 
a lot of them that are even considering a mission, they have very good intentions. They want to do the right thing. They're trying to serve and help and grow and take care of these things. But the timing is just so critical and mm-hmm. the conditions really matter. And so having that flexibility is a, is a, yeah. is a critical piece of this. Okay. So just as we're wrapping up here, Rick, let's talk specifically about some resources that could help parents and young people who are preparing for this big adventure of serving a full-time mission. And you also mentioned, you know, leaving home for college, university, military, you know, it's basically leaving the comfort of the nest and having to manage all this stuff on your own emotionally. And because there's so many counterfeit ways to manage emotions like pornography, masturbation, and other addictions, you know, I just want to talk about specifically what resources are out there for parents and young people to guide them toward preparing early in, in adolescence. And then as obviously as they get closer to the, these deadlines, where would you start in terms of guiding them for uh, resources? Yeah, that's a great question. We get that a lot. Um, one question, one, one thing I always kind of point out to people is, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has a really great website of overcomingpornography.org. And in that, it's got different sections. There's a section there for families, so parents can know how to talk about pornography, how to respond if their children come to them with pornography, so that the parent and families are stronger and dealing with this. There's a section in there for individuals, so if they're struggling with pornography, in there it's got information from counselors, even you. I think you've got a couple cameos in that. I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, you're in there. So uh, it's got some counselors. It's got some leaders of the church. It's got people that aren't members of the church, actually, that will share their experiences with them. Oh, cool. So that's really good. And it's got a section in there for those whose loved ones may have experienced pornography and some of that betrayal trauma, some of those things. They can go to that. I think that's a really great resource to start. And and in that website, that there's so many different resources. There are. They, mm-hmm. They've done such a good job they have. of collecting interviews and articles and resources. It's not just read your scriptures, pray, mm-hmm. go to church. It's not just the primary answers. Mm-hmm. It's It's got a really rich database of answers to these complicated issues that mm-hmm. help apply gospel solutions. It's great. Yeah. One of my favorite things in it is people who are, who are talking about it is they're talking about how they overcame it and how yeah. they're still working on it. And I think that's the most powerful thing is these are actual people yeah. telling their stories. And I've heard people say, I can relate to that. I know exactly how I feel. And oh, yeah. so I, I think that's a really great place to start. And then I Good. think also too, is there's a lot of great books out there. I think also counseling is a really good place to start and make sure when you go to counseling, you're finding people that are culturally sensitive to the, this issue. So, you know, sometimes therapists that may not understand some of the values of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints may give conflicting recommendations. And so I think it's really good just to make sure you're getting the good information from someone that understands the values of, of the church and can help people overcome those things. Yeah, I agree. Education, counseling support, obviously working closely with priesthood leaders and other leaders to help you know, if there's just specific spiritual or emotional challenges, there's a lot of support available built in to families and the church if, if we'll use them. There's a fear factor, though, of course, yeah. of admitting and opening up about this and, and sometimes just trying to muscle through it alone. And that's obviously another recommendation is just to start opening up and talking about it with safe people. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like, this is happening to so many people and we're not alone. No. And so this idea that oh my gosh, what would they do if they knew that there was somebody struggling? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a thing. Everybody mm-hmm. knows someone or is dealing with it in their own life or it's to some degree or another of some emotional struggle, something, because this issue like we're talking about is is really like, it's less about the pornography and the sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more about struggling to manage deep 
emotions, fears, worries, shame, anxiety, things like that. That's the bulk of it. These people aren't just a bunch of perverts out there struggling with this. Like that's not some class of people out there. These are you and me and neighbors and friends that are just trying to manage all the intense feelings and emotions that we have in our bodies and our spirits. And there's help, there's resources. We yeah. don't have to do that alone and mm-hmm. act like somehow you're broken or damaged because you struggle with it. Yeah. And the more educated we are, the better off we're going to be. You know, the glory of God is intelligence. So the more that we can learn about this and great podcasts like this, I think is really a good way to relate. And and that's why um, I'm grateful for, you know, you and this podcast. I've recommended it to people to say, instead of listening to the same music over and over and over, you know, <laughs> let's listen to something. And as I've traveled, I'll just put it in and I'll listen. And awesome. every time I'm learning. And so I think finding good resources. Yeah. And, because it's there, you know, but we, we have to come out of the shadows. And I think that's the thing, like with Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. you know, they hid, they hid mm-hmm. and they said, come out, let's talk about this. Let's work. Let's provide a savior. Let's get you back. Let's get you going. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for yeah. that possibility for us to return. Yeah. If you feel, if you feel like shrinking, hiding, avoiding, denying, recognize that that is, that is an invitation from a very dark place that mm-hmm. is coming straight from Satan. It is his first intervention. It's the first thing he did with the humans on the earth mm-hmm. was to isolate them from God and from each other and from themselves. And it is not the way to go. So openness. And, you know, I love, you know, even secular researchers like Brene Brown and others who are oh, just yeah. talking about vulnerability and openness and the benefits of that. Um, these are the answers. And, and all of that is is supported very much by truths in the scriptures around opening up light versus dark, bitter versus sweet. You can just trust that. It's so reliable. It is. All the research, all the, you know, therapy, all everything can be related to this issue. And that's mm-hmm. what makes me so happy about addressing this is there's hope. Yeah. And there's always hope with this because there's so much resource out there, but we've got to come out of the shadows. We have to follow that invitation to come out. Adam and Eve came out. They could have stayed there and hid but they came out. So we've got to, we have to come out and we have to talk and, and there's always going to be a good feeling there because we know who's asked us to come out and who's asked us to follow this path. And I'll tell you, one of the groups of people that I have such deep love and admiration and respect for are pre-missionaries and full-time missionaries who get honest about their struggles and are willing to put off that full-time service to work on themselves Mm -hmm. and get healthy. That takes courage beyond description. It really does because of that social pressure, that cultural pressure, which right or wrong, it's just there. It's just built in as living in communities and, and living with other people. So if you're someone or you are, you know, you have someone in your family who's done that, I hope you let them know how brave you think they are and how much you respect and honor them for, for having the courage to do that work and to get themselves back on their feet and to get clean and strong and healthy so that they can function, whether they go back out on their mission or they just prepare themselves for life. There's never a great time to do this work. It's never convenient. It's hard and it's definitely uncomfortable. But like you said, Rick, there's hope. And I, I just really hope that people, as as I hear this podcast and as we talk about these things, just as a community, as families, that people recognize that it's absolutely worth it to start these conversations, ask these questions to your kids, see where they're at, check their preparation invite them to look closely at this, challenge them to wait and take some time and really do some deeper work so that we can have a stronger body of missionaries, mm-hmm. obviously, and stronger fathers, husbands, wives, mothers, and families. Communities. That's really what it comes down to, yeah. right? Is building a strong community of people, both inside and outside of the, the church. 
So Rick, thanks so much. Do you have any any other parting thoughts or things that have come up for you as we're wrapping this up that you'd want to share with our uh, listeners? I think just, you you know, you did a good job of summarizing everything up. I, I think just the, having that hope and working on it and coming out of the shadows and it's okay. That's the biggest thing. Um, yeah. The research is coming out of, you know, exposure to pornography is getting younger and younger. And so it's not a matter if it happens nowadays, it's when it happens. Yeah. How are we going to respond? And the earlier we can teach, you know, healthy conversations about this topic, the better off we're going to be in the long run. And it's going to be so so much better for each and every one of us so that we can avoid that shame, that guilt, that embarrassment. It's a difficult thing, but it's always worth it. And I think it's one of my favorite things that I've heard is like, I never said it'd be easy. I just said it'd be worth it. Yeah. So we'll see what that. Wonderful. Rick, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Well, once again, I want to thank Rick for joining us on the Illuminate podcast today. I'm grateful to Rick for not only his great friendship and collaboration that we've done over the years, but also just the fantastic work he's doing here in our community. In the next episode of the Illuminate podcast, I'm going to introduce you to Julie Hanks. And if you don't know who she is, then you're definitely going to want to tune in. She's a therapist, a speaker, an author, and media personality. She's done so much great work out there and has written some fantastic resources, especially supporting women in being more assertive and using their voices. And she is going to join me for a couple of episodes And I think you will find them very beneficial. So hang tight for that. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Illuminate podcast. And as always, if you find what you're listening to helpful and supportive, please spread the word. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Let other people know about this. We want people to get the support that they're looking for. Thank you again for everything you're doing to support Illuminate. And I look forward to joining you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.